Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. How's it going, everybody? This is the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. We originally air as a radio show on Radio for Brooklyn, so if you like the show, you can listen to all the episodes the day they come out every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. You're about to hear the episode where I interview television writer and Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry, played by comedian Sean Wiggins, and Marxist revolutionary Leon Trotsky, played by comedian Kevin Cobbs. And I know I say this for most of the episodes, but this one was particularly hilarious. I highly recommend it. One of my favorites in recent memory. Uh, you can email us at famousdeadpeople at radioforbrooklyn.org if you have any questions, comments, or you want to have your favorite dead person on the show. Uh, go out and buy my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now and hilarious. Uh, you can always check out my improv team, Junior Varsity, every Thursday at the Magnet Theater. We usually, uh, we're going to be at 7 p.m. starting in uh, 2018, so come check us out there. And, uh, you know, check out, rate and review the podcast, subscribe, tell your friends, and go to jaredbarrington.com for all of the latest and greatest. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Leon Trotsky and Gene Roddenberry, only on Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. It's time. Famous Dead People. Time to start the show. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. People you know. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. Famous stories stuck in the head. My guests today on Famous Dead People are 20th century television writer and producer, the man behind the original Star Trek series, Gene Roddenberry. Good afternoon. And Marxist revolutionary and Soviet politician, Leon Trotsky. Hello. Uh, Mr. Trotsky, Mr. Roddenberry, thank you so much for joining us here on Famous Dead People. It's a pleasure to have you. Honored to be here. Yeah, it's a... I'm fine to be here. Yeah, <laughs> that's wonderful. Yeah, I'm so glad that uh, one of my guests is excited and one is, you know, kind of meh about well, the entire well, thing. To ask somebody if they're happy to be anywhere in a way is like that's it's like kidnapping in a way. Oh, uh, I mean, it's it's sort of like uh, asking for applause. You know, right. it's like when you when you when you're giving a speech and you kind of make pause. Yes, like uh, like Jeb Bush, he said, "Please clap." Yeah, right, right. Yeah, when he said that, that was kind of pathetic. So I would never want to be that as. A host. So I think you rightfully called me. I'll probably be Mr. Roddenberry. I probably will be thrilled by the end. Well, to be fair, <laughs> yeah. you, you did not ask him, are you happy to be here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. You did not say, hey, it are sounded... you happy to be here? Yeah, you just decided to be a dick for no reason. <laughs> it then. sounded inferred, though. Okay. Well, you know, not to get off on a sour note here. And it's true. Let's, uh... I did decide to be a dick. <laughs> let's, uh, let's start off with you, Mr. Roddenberry. So obviously you're the most well-known for creating the original Star Trek series on television and... That series. Well, I'm the only person who created it. Did well, you say I'm the most well-known person to? Create? No, I oh. say you're most well-known for oh, creating. Yes, right. Star Trek. This guy I is am... coming in hot today. I know, right? Are you sensitive? I like, do you. It was bad traffic on the way here. Okay, yeah. I understand. Well, you know, I'll give you a second to calm down. Um, but I mean, are there other people who, um, you know, tried to take credit for Star Trek? Like, did you did did you feel like you had to be defensive about that? Well, you know, my name is on it as the creator of Star Trek, but it was a collaborative effort between producers and writers. Yeah. You know, I didn't write and every... And actors and lighting sure. people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I would say that, you know, everything that is known about Star Trek isn't stuff that I came up with. Mm -hmm. You know, teleporting, that wasn't my idea. That was the set designer's idea, because we were like, how are we going to get him down onto the planet? Let's <laughs> teleport him down. Right, so that wasn't originally... Part of your concept for the show, there was no, there was no uh, beaming. Not originally, no. That was so iconic to the show. Not beaming. a first draft thing of Star Trek. That's like that's like George Lucas saying that lightsabers weren't part of Star Wars originally. That's that blows my mind. Oh, man, that's interesting. Oh, you were you a fan of the original Star Trek series, Mr. Trotsky? You know, honestly, I, I, I not so much. Really? I no, I, I. I to be honest, I, I never watched much of Star Trek. I'm more of a Star Wars guy. Okay. I mean, I watch some Star Trek, and you know, I respect what you do. But, sure. Uh, mm -hmm. And I have to say, if I got favorite character, it's Data. <laughs> it's Data. Data's a pretty good He's character. He's good, yeah. What, what, uh, what appealed to you about Data, Mr. Trotsky? Data is just, he's got cold, rational logic. <laughs> he never fall in love. And I'm also just big fan of Hector. Well, there's also... He also, in Independence Day, played Dr. Oaken. Mm-hmm. We're talking about uh, Brett Spiner. Spiner. Spiner, yes. Spiner, yeah. 
Um, what was I kind say? of a kind of a dick. Well, they're oh, r- I mean, really? Sure. But this was your experience with him, Mr. Roddenberry. Uh, just you know, on set, you know, just pretty always came in hot. Ooh, do you have oh, any? Yes, he's coming yeah. in hot. Do you have yeah, any? Yeah. Do you have any good stories? Do you have any hot gossip from the set of uh, Brett Spiner being a uh, being a little bit mean to people? He uh, so you know how some actors are in character in between takes? Yeah, he oh, was, yes. Yeah, he was the exact opposite. He was out of character and very emotional. <laughs> He once threw a pizza in the face of Jonathan Frakes. Oh my God! Over a, a imagined slight about mm-hmm. you know uh, he was telling a joke to some other cast members and and Brett Spiner thought they were laughing at him. Threw a pizza right in his face. Oh my God! A lot of throwing food just like on the ground, like food a, thrower. Yeah, like mm-hmm. a bagel covered with locks, just right on the ground, exploding. We had to clean the set, you know. And it's 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 known in Hollywood. You don't mess with the Freaksmeister. No, no. (laughs) I bet he got pretty pissed off. Yeah, he's a triple threat. If we know anything, director, and he's got that great beard. You know, (laughs) if we know anything about Jonathan Freaks, right? That's his name. You don't mess with him. Yeah, I certainly know who we're talking about right now. (laughs) What was the um? What was the? There was a movie where they gave gave data an emotion chip. Do you remember what I'm talking about? It was one of the new generation movies. Do you yes, guess, you, you obviously uh, remember this, Mr. Roddenberry. Yeah, I think it was the first film of the, of new, the new generation. Yeah. Might have been Captains. I yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, but I mean that wouldn't make you like the character less, right, Mr. Trotsky? The fact it, that he was suddenly had emotions, you know, it actually did make me like him less. Hmm. I thought. Ugh. Now he's like all my annoying friends who come over and blah, 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 talk about their day. Mm-hmm. It's like, shut the fuck up, man. Yeah. You say annoying friends because I know that you bounced around a lot. Like you weren't exclusively in Russia for your career. Um, so when you would go to like other countries, like when you were writing for that uh, uh, newspaper in London, you know, would you, did you find like people were more emotional and it was kind of annoying to you? Oh, well, you know, I actually find in London people less emotional than in Russia. Really? Yes, Russia, Russians come in hot a lot. <laughs> oh, sure. Because it's so cold. But mm-hmm. in London, people, you know, they kind of mind their own business. I kind of like it. I would go to a pub. It was called The the Clown and the Goat. The Clown and, it and was the Goat. Right in, it was on a little street off Piccadilly Circus. And I okay. could go in and get my lager and sit down and drink by myself. Mm-hmm. And nobody bothered me. Yeah. And I like it. Yeah, it the, you know, that, that pub is still there. The Clown really? and the Goat? It's expanded. It's now two clowns and three goats. Two clowns. And, it's usually when you expand, you just kind of like make other locations. Isn't, but they just added. They just built out. Names Isn't that typical, it. you know, capitalism, gentrification. They make right. it more like, oh, we've got to get let's, more clowns uh, sure. goats. Let's not get on your soapbox here just yet, <sighs> I'm Mr. Trotsky. Sorry. I cannot help. Every, you know, really, this... Uh, we we are starting off today here very very emotional. So let's uh, let's just try to take it down a notch. Okay. But, but going back to my original question for you, Mister Roddenberry. So you know the your show Star Trek it, it created a new kind of fandom. You know, like nobody was a fan of uh, of anything to the level that Star Trek fans were a fan of Star Trek before Star Trek came around. Um, and I'm wondering. How you I know. would disagree in a way. Really, I think it's a, it it created a new kind of fandom for television. Mm. But you know, there were like Shakespeare fans previous to that. I don't think like the way that there were Trekkies. Like people weren't going to conventions dressed up like Viola or you know um, Falstad or you know. That would be cool if they would did. Be though. Cool. Yeah. It would be really cool. But also, like, how would you well, even know? In a way, you know, you know there's been community theater productions. For centuries of Shakespeare, so you're saying in a way that, that those people dress up. So you're saying that community theater productions of Shakespeare are the, the original <laughs> Star Trek conventions. Well, the original Shakespeare conventions. Yeah. Okay. I I see a connection there, but um, you know, the interesting thing about Star Trek is mm-hmm. the original idea was a bunch of people living in an apartment. That was it. That. <laughs> It was, blows my mind. It was just communal living. That is interesting. Just, just yeah. like a group of friends. friends? Yeah. Just like a group of kind friends of. almost? Right. Well, it was like, <laughs> it was communal living. It was a few families that shared an apartment, you know? Oh, sort okay. Of, you know, um, and it was a sitcom. Okay, so you originally wrote a sitcom 
about that, a bunch of people living about in one a bunch place. of families yes. that were sharing one apartment together. And uh, a TV executive, it might have been Brandon Tartikoff, I'm not sure. Okay. He, he was like that was like a good the, Russian name, by the way. I don't know. Is, I don't know. If it I is. think he's oh, part yeah. Russian. Yeah. So he was like, "This doesn't make sense. Nobody's going to identify it with mm-hmm. it at all. Like this isn't how Americans live." Mm-hmm. I thought that's what was interesting about it. Yes. Okay. Yes, it's very, they yeah. love to be realistic on sure. the NBC. Yeah. yeah. I love when Brandon Tartikoff make appearance on Saturday Night Live. He made cameo in 1980s. Oh he yeah, yeah, he yes. did. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. yeah. You should look it up. It's he's, he. He just lights up the screen. What did he do? Every executive when they come on screen, <laughs> yeah. it's like, whoa! Where did that guy come from? He yeah. had something. There's a reason why they're so successful, and it's because they have a magnetic energy yes. that translates so well to television. It's and film. not because they suck out the ideas <laughs> and the soul of people and the creativity, and then make money off of it. It's because they are so magnanimous mm-hmm. and charismatic. It means something that you are saying this, Trotsky, because. Because, you know, it seems like you would look for any excuse to hate uh, somebody who was preying on the talents of others. But the fact that you're admitting that this guy has this energy, it really says something, you know. Well, That's like if I was like, you know, oh, Paul Ryan had a really good idea because I'm such a famously liberal person, you know. Like, you know, I, th- I think it says something. Well, right? I, I make exception, okay, because mm-hmm. it is specifically television executives. They are the only capitalist overlords that I think... They just really they've nailing got it. it. It's they like nailing it. They could go out and do what all the actors and <laughs> yeah. writers and directors do. They just choose not to. <laughs> yeah. They just choose not to. If you could make it as a TV executive, you could make it anywhere. Yes, yeah. they are the yeah. ones. They who... are the top of the shining uh, city on a hill. Yeah, yeah they yeah. are the real talent. And if any of them are listening, I'm being very sincere right now. <laughs> Wow, that is, yeah, that is quite an overture. And I think that all three of us agree. We all agree. Um, so let's uh, go over to you, Trotsky, for a moment. So going over Wikipedia, there's, I didn't see a lot of information about your non-revolutionary life. You start leading strikes and revolts in Russia when you're 17 years old, and then just, just keeps on going for the rest of your life. And I'm wondering what your life was like before 17. Like, was there a time when you weren't ever leading some kind of populist insurrection? No. No. Always. Really? Start, it starts in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. They One day they say, we don't have the pudding snacks for you kids. Okay. I personally saw to it that me and I gathered, I galvanized all of my little friends mm-hmm. and we beat the fucking shit out of the head cook. <laughs> and then it happened again in, in middle school. Someone say, we are out of punch at the dance. Mm. I, we murdered the chaperone of the Whoa. dance. That's pretty good, though. It happened once in kindergarten, and then it sounds like it was smooth sailing <laughs> until middle school, right? Yeah, yeah. For, for a while. The yeah, message think... was received yeah. for at least, what was, what was that, five grades? Six yes. grades? Something like yes. that. They got the yeah. message, but always the violent revolution must happen again. The and violent happened. must revolution must happen <laughs> again. That's my famous saying. That's on your... <laughs> I believe that's an inscription is on your statue that's in Leningrad, right? Mm-hmm. The violent revolution. Yeah. That is interesting. You know, just based on some of the some of the work that I read about, it seemed like you were more of a, you know, strikes and um I don't know, just it didn't seem like like violence was Oh well uh, yes. Well I changed my <laughs> tune as soon as I hit high school. Then yeah. I was like, you know what? You know, don't need to murder and kill people. Yeah, you 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 grow, you change as, you know, with the time and with your life. You know? Yes, you can be, you can uh, build solidarity with your fellow worker, and mm-hmm. you can make change that way. Yeah. And if you want to get violent, you go down to the bar and you bop each other on the face for fun, <laughs> like uh, you know, like all like good union workers. Yeah, do. yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially the Screen Actors Guild. <laughs> Which? What is your opinion of the Screen Actors Guild? They are the toughest union and the best union. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Okay, it's just yes. really, it's weird how entertainment is just sort of like I love out I in your mind. Love it, man. It, it's the one system that is working perfectly. I freaking love and, it, and it is all good from top to bottom. It's the opiate of the masses, exactly. Yeah. No, that's you were thinking of a religion. religion well, now I mean, now Hollywood is the opiate of the masses. Wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't you say that right now Hollywood is like a religion? Mm-hmm. Ooh, think about yeah. that for a minute. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man, somebody uh, somebody clear out a dorm room because I got, I got a college freshman over here. That is, uh, 
making waves Pass with some of these the bong, man. Yeah, exactly. Look out, everybody. I've got <laughs> ideas, and I'm going to share them, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Well, let me ask that. That's that is very Trotsky of you. Um, so when you were young, Mr. Trotsky, so you originally identified politically, politically as what was called a Narodnik, uh, which was a revolutionary populist. And then it went uh, on to become one of the species in Star Trek. <laughs> Narodnik. <laughs> right. I forgot about that. Yeah, they were very benevolent. They were benevolent <laughs> yeah, yeah. people, the Narodniks. It was uh, irony. I know that a lot of your episodes, a lot yes. of the Star Trek episodes, they had like... Um, uh, analogies to things that were going on politically at the time. Sure, yes. Like, what was the what were the Narodniks a um uh, a comment a commentary on that was going on in America at the time? Uh, actually, I believe that was sort of uh, an internal struggle that we were having about uh, problems in the break room. Oh, okay. Of uh, you know, people eating other people's things. So, so you wrote that episode to address the issue of people eating each other's food in the break room. Didn't you? I you, thought were, it was pretty clear, but it, the. <laughs> Problem persisted well into season three. It also feels like it's a little inside baseball. Like, what about the people that don't work at the show? Like, what are they going to get from that episode? Well, I think people can identify with that kind of stuff. But, okay. Yeah, that's fair. So, you know, go, but quickly going back to how the show was originally just a bunch of families living together. Okay. Um, it wasn't my idea to put it into space. Okay. Who's that idea, was, who's it, was that it? was Brandon Tartikoff's idea. Brandon he, Tartikoff. He actually was like, let's put these people in a submarine. And I was like, okay. fuck you, absolutely not. That's a horrible <laughs> idea. I'll never do it. And he was like, fine, spaceship. And I was like, fuck. That's I, good. That's yeah. good. I thought you were saying fuck because you're like, that's even worse than the submarine. I, I didn't, at the time, you know, I didn't know how to write a space show. Okay. But we, you know, we figured it out. Yeah. You knew yeah. you had to. That's you right. You learn by doing. Yeah. Uh, if you're just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio for Brooklyn. And my, my guests today are Marxist revolutionary and Soviet politician Leon Trotsky. Godasvidanya. And the man behind the... I took a little bit of your Russian accent there. The man behind... Uh, the original Star Trek series, Gene Roddenberry. Live long and prosper. So I was going to ask you, uh, Mr. Trotsky, uh, so you were a Narodnik, you were a revolutionary populist, but you married this woman, um, Alexandra Sokolovskia, um, and uh, and she convinced you to, to, to go to Marxism instead of revolutionary populism. And I'm wondering, it seems like there's a real hair's difference between those two. Like, can you can you tell us what exactly the ideological shift was between between those philosophies here's the thing dude <laughs> ladies they have a way of chilling you out that's true <laughs> yep and it's like you know i wanted to be a revolutionary populist and i'm out mm. on the streets and she's saying hey you're, you're, you're showing off hey you're, you're peacocking yeah yeah <laughs> you're showing the feathers yeah and then you realize, hey, I don't need to do all this to impress her. She loved me for me. Mm -hmm. And so I become Marxist. Okay. And so the Marxist is the toned down version of being a Narodnik? Uh, yes. Okay. So it's just like a chill, chill it's, populist. It's the domesticated version. Yes. Yeah. It's the one that we can all just, we can all get on board with. So right. if you're a Narodnik, people are like, Jesus, man, like calm down. Get, we a, get it. Get a date. Yeah. Get a date. But if you're a Marxist, people are like, now that's a family man. That's a guy who's calm, and I can listen to him, and I, I, he I, I'm, he seems like he's he's on the right page. He's somebody yeah. who does the dishes <laughs> because his lady is sleep sweeps the floors. You yeah, know, a good husband. Yeah. We share the duties. Yeah, and you know, the American media would have you believe different, mm -hmm. but here's the thing. They've got their own agenda. They are pushing at all times. Yeah, Ever thought about it like that, man? <laughs> yep. That's right. You're saying the American media has an agenda. Yes. Uh, how's this relating to the um to the Marxism that because, we were just talking about? Because you know people think Marxists, oh, that's crazy, but it's actually quite calm and and normal and domestic. Right, right. But the American government and media, man, they have got their own way of spinning things. <laughs> I'd like to invite you to something I call the no spin zone. <laughs> Intriguing, oh, man. yeah. This uh, this uh, uh, freshman philosophy class is crushing it, man. We are doing really good work here. Um, but let's go over to uh, Mr. Roddenberry here for just a moment. So, when you were in college, yes, uh, you majored in police science, and then you got your pilot's license and joined the Air Force. And I'm and I'm wondering, 
if you remember anything from when you were studying police science, because I'm, I'm wondering like what that entailed exactly, you know, getting your major in police yeah. science. Well, I'll be honest. I was very active when I was in college because I was on a lot of cocaine. Yeah, I read about that. I was that. like, police, police studies, a pilot's license. I was all over the place. I was like, mammal study. You know what I mean? I was mammal doing, study? Yeah, that was like a minor at the school I went to. Okay. So police studies back then really was... It was uh, a lot of like um, role playing in class of like interviewing people about what the suspect looked like. Interesting. That's pretty much you know. So the entire... describe the car that he they drove off in. Um, All right. So the entire science of police work, according to this, uh, to the major at the time, was um, just how to talk to people who had witnessed things. Yeah, pretty much. Or victims of crimes. Okay. You know, there was no no such thing as forensics. You know what I mean? Yeah. We knew about fingerprinting back then, but my school didn't have really the budget for the dusting material. So they were like, you'll learn this when you get the job. They're, they were like, they would bring you into a classroom. It was like, okay, here's a crime. And they, they would give us post-it notes of like where we would dust for fingerprints <laughs> if we had that material. It's, you know, it's hearing stories like this that I think, no wonder the police force is so good in the United <laughs> States. <laughs> All that training, yeah, yeah. That is another surprising opinion, Trotsky, that I did not think that you were going to Entertainment, uh, showbiz, police, those things there. Only two places yeah. where okay. everything in America is going great. Well-oiled machines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, you learned how to interrogate people. You learned where you would dust for fingerprints, and that was basically the entire major. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we didn't even have uh, a firing range or guns or anything, mm -hmm. so they would give us just, like, these wooden guns. And they would have us point at targets. Okay. And then the instructor would walk by with a broom and hit the bottom of our hands. As if, as if the gun was going off. Yeah, to, to replicate recoil. Okay. And, and the, the instructor would just sort of like, uh, yeah, you got like two bullseyes. You know, <laughs> he would just sort of guess. He would eyeball it the yeah. way that like a, uh, the, the way that um, uh, a referee would call a strike or a ball during, yeah, in baseball. Exactly, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And you, th there were sometimes, like, uh, fights between, mm -hmm. you know, the students. And like, uh, how could you call that a... <laughs> a bullseye. Yeah, or how not a bullseye. You, how yeah. could you call that off a bullseye? Right, right. really a bullseye. Yeah. Interesting. And then you'd obviously kick dirt onto the instructor's feet because that's just what you did. Right. And okay. we were outside, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so going back to Trotsky for a moment. So uh, because of the early work that you did, uh, unionizing and leading strikes, you were exiled to Siberia at the age of 19. This is the stuff that I'm interested in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> pretty, okay. Pretty cool story. Yeah. Um, but you eventually escape and you change your name to Trotsky and you go to London to write this, uh, this paper called Iskra. Um, and I'm wondering why you felt you needed to leave Siberia. Like, was it was it bad to be exiled to there? Um, you know, did, did you feel like you couldn't get the, the, the work done, the revolutionary work that you needed done in Siberia, in Siberia? Well, you know, I, I did get some revolutionary work done. I unionized a group of penguins. <laughs> and then I went on and unionized a group of polar bears. But you get to a point where you're like, I miss people. And it's so freaking cold here, man. That does, seem, so does seem like the main negative of, of being exiled to Siberia is how uh, yeah, cold it is. Yeah, people don't think about that when they think of Siberia, but it's quite cold. Uh. Yeah. People normally think. Of... I think that's exactly what people think about when they when they hear Siberia. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> but I, I, made, I immediately thought relaxing. But what, being in Siberia? Yeah, yeah. That's, it makes sense. Cold, yeah. Most people I talk to in Russia, they say relaxing. They mm -hmm. say, oh, it sounds, sounds like I finally get to get away from all the crap, <laughs> all the hustle and bustle. Finally get to camp a little bit yeah. and be in the wilderness. But I finally decide, no, I like being around people. I've got to escape. Mm -hmm. You got to get out there. I, I said, I'm going to hands go dirty again. to London. I'm mm. going to go to the place where the people are pasty and... The pubs uh, have the beer flowing. Yes, not bad at all. I always think about how, you know, your punishment in Russia, you would get exiled to Siberia, like you would get sent to Siberia. But then I'm like, weren't people living in Siberia offended then? Like, like, oh, our fucking our fucking place is so shitty that you're, that you're sending people here as punishment? Really? Like, this is our home. Was there, did... Yeah, they would, uh, you know, they had the 
the booming economy there and they they were like oh you're going to come in here and change the neighborhood and put up your shops and oh your uh, your little embroidery business or whatever and uh, yeah they did resent but we did win them over mm-hmm. uh, but you know but like I said, we mostly work with the penguin, the polar bear, <laughs> that kind of thing. And it was freaking cold, man. There were a lot of uh, a lot of uh, worker grievances with the polar bears and with the, uh, the yes. penguins. Yes, the the penguins, they say, we huddle up in group for hours at a time. Mm-hmm. And we no have break from huddling. And so we say, <laughs> okay, mandatory. You get 10-minute break on the hour and you get the bathroom break anytime you like. You don't have to ask your supervisor. Mm, I remember I watched March of the Penguins. You saw March of the Penguins also, Mr. Roddenberry, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I was wondering, I was watching that. I was at thing. the premiere. You were at the premiere? Oh, yeah. really? No way, dude. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if that works out chronologically, but regardless. Um, well, yeah. it's a long story, but yeah, go I, ahead. I remember watching that okay. and thinking, and thinking like, yeah, these guys never get a break. They never get a break. They're just huddling, huddling in the, in the, in the giant mass to stay warm. You know, they deserve a coffee break. They deserve a time to just relax. And they, they finally got it. And yeah. the polar bears, you may not know this, but every polar bear is constantly being followed by film crew. Every uh, every, every polar, polar bear. bear. Yes, there's yeah. like a documentary being there's made about every National polar bear. Geographic or Planet Earth, and I got them. Or a Coca Cola commercial. <laughs> yes, right? those the people think those are animated, but let me tell you that is live action footage that they trace over with markers, rotoscopes, <laughs> rotoscope. Yes, that is a shame. Yeah, and so you part of what you did with your polar bear union was to get was to get them some respite. From yes. all of the film get, crews. Get them respite and mm-hmm. also get them union on-camera wages. Nice. Because you know the polar bear is on, second only in star power to showbiz executives. <laughs> Those, you get them on camera. Ooh. Oh, magic. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, this is uh, this is not like a gotcha, gotcha interview, Mr. Trotsky, but I wanted to ask you about you leaving Siberia for London because when you went there, like you wanted to work with Lenin, you wanted to write for that paper, the Iskra, um, but you completely abandon your family. You leave your first wife, you, you abandon your two daughters who then just like, who then just die, you know, later in Russia. Like, did you really feel that the movement was that important that you just give up on your entire family? Well, but if I can interject real quick, I left a family as well. So, I mean, this is a little unfair, but go ahead. Go ahead. Because I have perspective on this <laughs> you as didn't well. Leave, go ahead. You didn't leave your family in Siberia to die. Not in Siberia. Well, they probably lived. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I have to yeah. assume they had a sure, very full right. life in Siberia. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, well, that's not what happened. Well, I have they to didn't. assume. They didn't. But they I have to assume. It. Yeah. <laughs> They were with polar bears and penguins that mm-hmm. probably adored you. Sure, yeah, they All loved right. the whole family. All right, yeah. And I mean, it seems from here's the, way the thing about it. being a a married man. Sometimes you're done. Sometimes you're just done being a married yeah. man. People don't say this, but sometimes you're fucking done. <laughs> yeah. and it. I would ruin these kids if mm. I stayed around and be miserable. They don't want a, a miserable guy in the house no. somebody who's just pacing back and yeah. forth like oh i should be out there working kids, on the revolution kids are better off with their mothers and mm-hmm. then what we yeah. did is actually a great selfless act sure you know <laughs> sometimes stepfathers are better than fathers i totally agree yeah. Yeah. some guys just need a medi raid a ready-made family you know what I mean? Yes. You just want to yeah. step in where the kids are already That's made. Right. You don't have to worry about don't that. Have to do all that, you know. And they're at a nice, manageable age, like That's six right. or thirteen. Yeah. You know, it's like when kids are just done. When they're, they're like done, done, boom, out of the oven, and ready right. to go. And they're like fun to hang out with at that age. Yeah. You know, we call it the dad relay. The dad you just hand relay. off the baton. It's like <laughs> there you go, man. Yeah. We're out of here, and That's then you right. run like hell That's, away yeah. from them. There, right. you, there you go, Daryl. So this They're was your more. <laughs> this wasn't more like you trying to get away from your family or really feeling like your work was important. You just felt like they would be happier without you. Little column A, little column B. <laughs> yeah. Because right. yes, I just I say you know I got to go, and to be honest, they were kind of annoying. Mm, annoying family. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, you know, we'll probably get into that well, when we come back. We've got to take a short break. We will be right back on Famous Dead People with Gene Roddenberry and Leon Trotsky. Oh, Stay with us. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. 
Hey everybody, just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you are using to listen to podcasts, rate us five stars, leave a comment, tell your friends, all that stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioForBrooklyn.org if you want a specific Famous Dead person on the show or if you have any comments that you want to shoot over to us, whatever we love hearing from fans. Uh, Also check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. It is hilarious. I hope that you will check that out and read that and uh, leave reviews, awesome reviews on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or whatever and tell your friends to read it because it's super funny and I want that money. Also, go check out JarrettBaronson.com for all the latest on my show dates and uh, up-to-date project information. And lastly, if you really like Famous Dead People and you want to send us some money to help keep the show on the air, go to RadioForBrooklyn.org slash Famous Dead People and click on the Support the Show button. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the podcast. Famous Dead People, Famous Dead People. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jared Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are Marxist revolutionary and Soviet politician Leon Trotsky. Duh! And 20th century television writer and producer Gene Roddenberry. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. Having fun now. Uh, Let me ask you a little bit about your uh, military career, uh, Mr. Roddenberry, because you were a pilot with the military. Yes. You were involved in two crashes during your military service. One my fault. Mm-hmm. One, not my well, fault. Well, one you were a passenger for, yeah. Right. Uh, and That then... one, my fault. <laughs> Wait, that, that I was, one was the one that was your fault? I was a pretty rowdy passenger. Yeah. What were you doing that made the plane crash? Well, I had uh, a stomach flu. Okay. And I was just, I thought it would help to get drunk. Not a good idea okay. on this flight. I knew how to get on the plane. So I got really drunk. I was really vomity. I was very irritable. <laughs> Uh, because in my sickness and drunkenness, I put on a bunkmate's shoes that were mm-hmm. too small for me. I grabbed uh, their shoes. Gotcha. Yeah, that can my be really... My feet were hurting. I was in a bad mood. I was very irate that the flight was taking too long. The mm-hmm. flight can only go as fast as it can. And yes. I should know this. I'm a pilot. Yeah, exactly. Um, I charged the the cockpit. You just charged the cockpit. Yeah, it bumped... Tiny shoes, Yeah, vomiting, drunk. You charged the... Charge the cockpit. Bumped the, the stick. The uh, the stick. That's what yeah. they call it. Yeah. yeah, we went down. Oh wow. Oof. Yeah. So the one that you were a pilot for is the one that wasn't your fault. Is what that's you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. It's horrible the... how they can't correct that when you yeah. bump them is over <laughs> and then it goes down. It really right. sucks. They should fix down. planes where when you move the stick, it doesn't just stay in that position. Sure, yeah. People don't realize how precarious the whole thing is. When, how flying. If, That's if right. You bump, if they bump each other in the cockpit, it's over. But yeah. The, but the yeah. good thing about that plane crash, the military made me write an essay about why what I did was wrong. <laughs> yeah. They and, are very strict, yeah. military. Okay. And uh, my lieutenant, so impressed by what I had written, hung it up on the board. Mm-hmm. And everybody came up to me and was like, Gene, you should be a writer. Wow. So it was actually that crash. Everybody that... was everybody forgot about the crash. <laughs> they were just talking about my lovely prose. How great your apology was. That's right. And how great your uh, your essay about the uh, about the crash was. Yes. Interesting. Because I read that there was a third crash when you were commercial pilots. Mm-hmm. Uh that was, you know, that was the one that made you resign and decide to pursue your dream of writing for television. But you're saying the second crash and the and the essay you had to write about it is what what that's did what it. started me as writing as a hobby. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, the third okay. crash was like, I gotta write professionally. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta be honest with you guys. Knock knock, HR department. Well, <laughs> guys, it's out. like yeah, I'm checked out at this point, you guys. <laughs> yeah, and not. I'm not happy here. <laughs> yeah. They brought you into their office and they're like, Gene, you crashed a plane. That's right. What's going on, buddy? Yeah. What's we got to do on? something. I was like, what you know what? <laughs> egg on my face. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, you don't have to fire me. I quit. <laughs> you know, you know, fool us twice. Shame on us. Yeah. Fool us three times. What's going on, Gene? Yeah. What's, What's going, going on? on? We're going to have to have serious talking to. <laughs> Wow, yeah, that is highly elucidating. Yeah. Uh, so let me let's go back to you, Trotsky, for a moment. So you know you're working, um, you're working in London. You're at this paper, the Iskra, with Lenin. 
Uh, and that is where you develop your idea of permanent revolution. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about permanent revolution. What, what exactly that meant? It doesn't sound obvious from the title. Well, I'm... I would like to hear more. <laughs> okay. Is thing? I have an idea of what it is. I tried to read a little bit about it. It seemed kind of complicated. I think I know. Okay, but... let me help you out here. How it works is some people think a revolution. That happens once every hundred years in the country, maybe. Okay. What if it happened? <laughs> Constantly. What if... All the time. Huh. Revolution was happening every single day of your life. And you never settle. It's always changing, always upheaving the, the, the roots in the society. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I was getting at. I, and I hope that sheds some light on it. You know... <laughs> If you actually watch one episode of West Wing, they use my term permanent revolution. Really? Yeah. Mm. Have you, guys, which, have which you ever watched that? that show? Oh, it's, man. It moves a little too fast for me, but I, I love, it's, it's I love the good. West Wing. Yeah. I thought it was really, really good. Um, and, uh, you know, as a, as a political person, it kind of upsets me that the things that they were fighting about back then in the West Wing are still the things that we're fighting about today. But, well, yeah. you know, I don't want to get on my, don't get on my well, uh, soapbox I hate too. to break it to you, Jarrett, but there's two people here that are going to tell you those fights are... Everlasting, am I right? Mm-hmm. They are. Yeah. But you've got to take extreme stance, not this this bullshit stance they take in that show where it's like, oh, I don't know, should we uh, invest <laughs> more in stock market or whatever? <laughs> no, you get rid of it. Yeah. You, f- you chop the heads off of people who are mm. taking advantage of poor yeah. people. Yeah, I can see the appeal there. And by the way, that was an incredible uh, impression it, of a was, West Wing that episode. That was my Jed Bartlett. You, <laughs> want, you want to hear my Sam Seaborn? Yeah, Here it yeah, is. But- <laughs> oh, we got to write this speech about how we will do, um, give, make more charter schools. Shut the Fuck off. Did you like the show? Because it doesn't sound like you did. I didn't know like the show. I hate, <laughs> hate watch. Hate watch the yeah. show. Right? Like I do for the Kardashians or The Bachelor or something. You hate watch the West Wing. I hate watch every single episode. Okay. Which episode do they mention Permanent Revolution in? Because I remember watching the show and I don't remember. Uh... It was episode where they're on plane flying to give speech about education and Toby Ziegler is like, oh, I can hear Permanent <laughs> Revolution. Now, where have I heard that before? Oh, yeah, mm. Trotsky's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would have thought that you hate watched the news, but it's interesting that you hate watch uh, the West Wing. I hate watch news room. Oh, sure. No, I only get that, through yeah. one. Anything episode. by Aaron Zorgan, yeah. basically. Sports night. Sports, uh, sports night. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, uh, I just, you know, I just came up with I think maybe a good slogan for permanent revolution. Yes. Oh, let's hear it. When you wake up. Don't grab a coffee. Grab a Molotov cocktail. Ooh, about, yes. interesting. It, it, maybe you'll make it rhyme or something. I don't know. It's just mm-hmm. I'm throwing it out there. I like that. I like that a lot. Molotov cocktail, interestingly, is a weapon that I learned about from video games. Yes. There are certain video games where you could grab one and throw it. And I was like, oh, isn't that interesting? Now, what sure. video game can you grab and throw Molotov cocktail? Are we talking Grand Theft Auto? Off, no, off of the top of the dome here. I'm a little older than that. Yes. Uh, Double Dragon. I think that there were Molotov cocktails oh. in Double Dragon. Maybe even in Bad Dudes. I think Bad Dudes have Molotov cocktails also. What about in Super Contra? <laughs> Super Contra? It might have been in Super Contra. That might have been a power-up or like a cheat code Yeah, I don't or remember that yeah. exactly. But it just it seems exhausting to revolt every single day you for, know, for your life. For the rest or of your life. An active life over a passive generations. life. That's what exactly. I say. Yeah. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. You can take days off mm-hmm. of permanent revolution. Oh, yeah. like it's a still going on up here. Yes, right? exactly. Oh, gotcha. You could take some time to veg out and watch Aaron Sorkin's show. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, hate, hate watch um, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Oh, God, yes. You've got to hate watch Matthew <laughs> yeah. Perry. <laughs> oh, what was Matthew Perry like on that show? What was he like? Uh, well, you're probably no better than me. I assume he's his mm-hmm. typical... Uh... He, the only thing he talks about is his pool. Mm. That's I... all he talks about. <laughs> yeah. I, was at a, I was at a party at Matthew Perry's house with uh, Peter Graves and Sammy Davis Jr. That is incredible <laughs> collection of yes. people. And they were, they were a little uh, entourage for a little while, the three of them, oh, right? Oh, sure, yeah, Matthew yeah. Perry, Peter Graves, and <laughs> well, Sammy no, Davis I was, Jr. I was, I was there with Peter and Sammy. We were invited over to Matthew Perry's house. Right. All he right, did right. was just planted us outside the pool. There was no hors d'oeuvres. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, there was a bottle of vodka. We had to mix our own drinks. And all he did mm-hmm. was talk about the pool, how they, they dug it out, how they filled it in with concrete, what a process the concrete didn't reset right so they had to redo it okay. it was 
horrible. Yeah, and then some, for some reason they wrote that into his character in, in uh, Series Six of the Sunset Strip. Yeah, I mean that's all I remember him talking oh. about in that TV show. Well, you know, for the uh, for the five or six episodes that it lasted. Not what, not trying to throw any, throw any hate over at Studio Sixty, but what a bore. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, you know, since we're talking about television again, let's go back over to Mr. Roddenberry. Sure. You, had a, you had this really full television career mm-hmm. before Star Trek. I read that you, um, that you were asked to write a series called uh, Riverboat that was uh, set in the 1860s in Mississippi. Right. Uh, but you learned that the producers didn't want to have any black people on the show. Right. And you would argue with them because obviously there would be black people in 1860s Mississippi. Of course. And they fired you for arguing with them so much. Is that not the case? You're taking a you're taking a hefty pause here. It's so. true. No, it's true. I mean, that was part of the strife. I actually got fired because I caused a car crash when we were going to lunch, <laughs> and it was. I would like to say that I was arguing for the for the inclusion of black people in the in the show TV while show. We, the car crash happened. But it mm-hmm. was just sort of like they wanted to go to a Italian. Mm-hmm. I was like, we, there's this great Ethiopian place we got to go to. Okay, so and in the way. I guess in a way, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was more about food, though. But I grabbed the wheel. Okay. And if I and if I'm remembering correctly, this was your fourth car crash on the set of Riverboat, right? Yeah, that was. <laughs> and then they were like, "You gotta like, go." Gene, what's going on, Gene? Yeah, right. Gene, Gene, guys, I'm not happy. That's here. right. Foolish first, three times, yeah. shame on us. The first crash was a golf cart, so that was like minor. <laughs> All right, that doesn't really. Count. And I thought I had it in drive. I had it in reverse. Well, I'm just wondering what their rationale could have possibly been for not having any black people. In let me say this set in 19, 1860s Mississippi. Let me say this about TV executives. Mm-hmm. None of them are racist. Oh, of course. <laughs> no. None, of, none them. of them are racist. It was more about the the it was more about the tastes of middle America. So they, they were thought, afraid okay. of uh, of putting black people in front of the eyes of middle America. Which and they is, were which is bullshit. They obviously were explaining this to you with tears in their eyes, like about how they would change things that they could, yeah. but they can't. We're on so, your we're on your side. And they were That's just like bawling. Right. And they needed to be like comforted because of this decision that they were being forced to make. I was like, man up, <laughs> you know. I mean, if it were if if you were to follow the 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 ethics and the sensibilities of TV executives, and and make that your 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 spearhead for social sure. reform. This would be an amazing. That's thing. right. In a TV executives in a vacuum, it would be a, it'd be utopia. Smooth, yeah, a utopia. utopia. It'd be a Rose Waldo. Yeah, it's hey the man, system that they're in. Come on mm-hmm. in. The water is fine. Yeah, we're all TV executives. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go yeah. back over to Trotsky for a moment. So uh, you eventually go back to Russia uh, to fight the revolution there, and uh, you join the Saint Petersburg Soviets. But in 1905, you're all arrested and you're sent back to exile in Siberia again. And I'm wondering, was it easier the second time you were sent to Siberia? I'm imagining that you were sort of used to it at that point, like maybe seeing other people that you were you used- welcome back with open arms. Yeah, I you. Like, what was it like? My Ex-wife was pissed. Oh, so she was there. She, <laughs> she was, still, was there. still there. Oh, wow. wow. I didn't read that you guys reconnected in Siberia at the yeah, time. We don't talk about it at a lot the, because it at honestly... The, I, at, at the train station holding a broom. <laughs> <laughs> I was imagining a rolling she pin. Goes, it was oh, a rolling she, pin. She crossed her arms and said, where the hell have you been? You didn't even tell her? <laughs> no. Oh, I at least left a note when I left my wife. <laughs> no, ma'am, I was in such a hurry. Uh, I didn't even tell her. And she was Pissed, and she was in her bathrobe, and she had yeah. hair curlers in, well, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I'm I picture like, it. And I said, "Oh boy, here we go." <laughs> and, uh, Your life was a sitcom. <laughs> it kind of was. Oh man, you should write this, Gene Roddenberry. This is the next TV show. Is, could, uh, yeah. Uh, a man gets uh, exiled to Siberia for the second time and has to has to reconnect I, with his wife. I have a p- I have a pitch meeting scheduled next week. Mm-hmm. I. I just schedule could, pitch meetings. Could I come Let's and just do it. sit yeah. in? I mean, even Let's if we do don't it. pitch it, just to be around television mm-hmm. executives. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just, it would be such a joy and a pleasure for, for anybody just yeah. to be in the presence of television Just to drink right. in their presence and their, their lovely, lovely just uh, ambiance. Yeah, I, and, yeah. To, and you know what? To learn. To learn, to learn something. Right. To have them tell me a little bit about what I do. Mm-hmm. What you know? Yeah, because even if even if you're not in television, they have insight for you. They they know how to how you can do what you're doing better. You don't have to have life experience to have <laughs> life knowledge. No. 
And it's like, how can you tell me how to totally change the thing I want to do uh, to include, I don't know, Kevin Hart or something? Yeah. You know? Please. Yes. That's a really good point. That's an excellent point. Uh, for those of you just joining us, you're He's listening hot, to uh, Famous Dead People on uh, Radio Free Brooklyn. And my guests today in the studio are 20th century television writer and producer of the original Star Trek series, Gene Roddenberry. Beam me up. And Marxist revolutionary and Soviet politician, Leon Trotsky. Take me down to Moscow town. <laughs> Uh, so let me ask you this, uh, Mr. Trotsky. So going through your, your Wikipedia, we talked about it a little bit already, but it's a pretty insane ride through all these different cities and countries that you were sneaking into, that you escaped from, places you were thrown out of. You're writing articles and giving speeches in London, Moscow, Spain, New York, France, etc. And I'm wondering why you felt like you needed to bounce around so much. Like, were you... Was it that you were trying to create like a global movement or did you worry that if you stayed in one place too long, you, you would be a target? You know, like, can, can you walk us through that uh, decision making? Um, well, there are a lot of reasons. First of all, I'd always wanted to hit the road, man. You know, <laughs> okay, always wanted to get out there and see the world. Gotcha, gotcha. And then, you know, and you bring something to the world and also get adulation back from all the people, mm -hmm. but also I just had to get away from my freaking <laughs> wife, man. She would not stop busting my beans. <laughs> so you so you, would on. so you would relocate, she'd find you, and then you were like, I'm <laughs> out of here. She'd show up at the train station and say, where the hell have you been? Oh. And I'd say, oh boy. <laughs> oh man, I here am in go. for it now. Here we go again. Yeah, that's amazing, because I, I, I thought that, you know, there, there was a little thing in the Wikipedia about how your wife disappeared for a bunch of years, but then she was eventually, um, I think, murdered by some of Stalin's guys in one of his purges or something. Maybe um, looking for you. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess she was just bouncing around the world, like, trying to find you and trying to bring you back to the family. Yeah, yeah. totally. Okay, yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Um, uh, but speaking of Stalin, um, so you guys, you just did not get along, you and Joseph Stalin. <laughs> No. You know, he uh, was trying to take the, 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 the Communist Party in a totally different direction. And after he removed you from power, he, like, arrested you, arrested you from the history books in Russia, right? Yeah, I mean, we had totally opposing political views. But mm -hmm. also, the main thing was, like, I thought his mustache was fucking stupid. Did have a stupid mustache. And conversely, he thought my beard was weird. Yeah, I gotta say, like, can we talk for a little bit about the way that you presented yourself to the world? Like... You you had like a um, uh, it wasn't such an intellectual look so much as like a like a mystical look almost like like you know uh, I think you maybe what you said had gravitas because you kind of looked a little bit like like um, I could perform magic trick right yeah in front like of you, you did really great tarot readings or you know like you were the creepy guy at the fair who you know everything that he everything that you said about the future came true or something like. Yeah, well, yeah. when you develop a certain look, mm -hmm. people uh, they they are intimidated, or they they are they they take you much seriously. You know, you've got to have a very specific look. If I had just worn like sneakers and loafers and a flannel shirt, people would have thought, "Eh, this guy he's just like a regular guy." Maybe I'm I not see gonna him. listen to him. Yeah, yeah. yeah I got it's you. like, oh, maybe he uh, is UCB one on one student <laughs> improv. <laughs> Improv comedy. Yeah. You yeah. Know? But yeah. nothing to say. Yes. Yeah. Nothing really to say. But because right. you just had all dick, all dick jokes. You had that really <laughs> thin joke. beard and the really thin mustache and the kind of like, uh, I don't know, like that. Um, a little dangerous. Yeah. A, a, little, little, dangerous. a little dangerous. Yeah. People Mysterious. thinking, this guy, he's going to go do midnight set at Comedy Cellar. <laughs> I don't know what he's going to say. He could say. Anything. Yeah. I think that's really interesting that all of your analogies have to do with the comedy community. Like, uh, is this this is a, something that you're uh, you're passionate about? Is this something that you have a? It's something a hobby I'm in? dabbling in. I just like to go to the shows, and people keep saying, "Get up there, do open mic set," and I'm like, "No." Guys. Wait, I'm sorry. People are keep telling you to go do an open mic set. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Wow. Is it just because you're like really funny with uh, the people uh, that you know? Yeah. You know, when I you know when I tell them my life story, they're like, "You've got to those take are, that on stage." Those are hilarious. Those yeah. are really really funny. My wife. <laughs> But, you know, it's... Uh, Nobody's doing wife material these days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've got it. I've got tons of wife yeah. material. I've got so much. Yeah. Um, can I ask you this, uh, uh, Mr. Roddenberry? So yes. the story of how hard it was to make and keep Star Trek on the air yes. is, is very well known and it's really incredible. Uh, but one of the details that I didn't know is that you actually wrote lyrics to the theme song 
of Star Trek, but that started a feud between you, the composer, because that meant that that you'd have to split the royalties between the two of you. Yeah. Um. And so they just they just got rid of the lyrics, right? Like, because there's no lyrics in in the in the, in the broadcast version. It right? was a pretty slick move. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. what were what were some of the lyrics that you wrote for that song? I mean, if you remember. Oh yeah. So um, it's sort of like um. Star Trek. Tra- I, I don't remember the tune. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm not a music writer. Not a mm-hmm. tunesmith. Yeah, do you yeah. remember, Trotsky, do you remember the tune for the Star Trek TV series? Yeah. Star Trek traveling through space, living with people, you know, replicating food. We had food replicators on. Replicating food was in the lyrics. That's a good lyric, man. I think I brought up tricorders. I think I brought up Uhura's little earpiece. Okay. It was all just like the technology. Star checking through the stars. Captain Kirk mm-hmm. on, on his swivel chair. Okay. Putting in star dates. <laughs> that it that is his diary. That you know, stuff it. like that. Oh the, wow. Yeah. That's good. Spock yeah. is a Vulcan. You know what yeah. I like about it? Like so many songs, they have like hidden meaning to them, you right. know, where it's like, just want to just say just list the, what the, it is. Yeah. You know? Like the friends songs. Like sure. the friends song, you know exactly what it's about you know it's like right. sometimes it just seems like things just aren't going your way you know sure, yeah yeah your job's a joke you're broke your love, your love, your love lives the way oh yeah Which, you know yes now i know what i'm gonna be watching in this show it makes perfect sense a to bunch me. of fucking losers <laughs> <laughs> but lovable right? yeah. <laughs> they've got each other yeah yeah, yeah interesting um so yeah, um, I, I want to ask uh, uh, Mr. Trotsky. So we were talking a little bit about how Stalin erased you from the record books, and obviously a lot of your history sort of like been reinstated since then. Um, but uh, is there anything that was left out? Is there anything that you know uh, Stalin was able to completely expunge that that people still don't know about? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, what people don't know is I was actually the number one parkour guy in. <laughs> St. Petersburg. Wow. And I kind of started the art form. The shoes were from, not... From, like, running away from the the secret police and stuff? That was the start of it. Yeah. And my wife... I mean, or, oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Here we go. There we go. Zing. I cannot stop. I feel like I'm on morning radio. Oh, this is just... Wow. Yes, but, <laughs> but in all seriousness... Mm-hmm. I started that, and these were not good parkour shoes. Mm-hmm. They were. They had big heels, and they oh. had a big jacket with big hat, running around St. Petersburg, and they would jump outside the building, jump up side the building, jump onto ladder, grab, grab, grab. I'm on top of building. If I had <laughs> power to film any of this, it, I would be... It would be legendary. It would be yeah. a YouTube sensation. But it's all lost because all I had, because back then when you did something like parkour, you didn't have your friend with phone filming. Yeah. You just had your friend going, oh, my God, Leon, <laughs> you're crazy. <laughs> Look get, at him go. Get down from there. You're crazy. So not only did you, did you not have the advantage of being filmed, but you also didn't have like the same kind of um, you know uh, athletic footwear and body wear that the the people who are doing parkour today, which is more impressive, it I'd makes it say. so much easier. You know, it's like it's like uh, Ginger Rogers had to do everything that Fred Astaire did in heels. Like you had to do what parkour people are doing today, but in boots with heels and with giant Russian uh, winter coats on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It it was not. Uh, it, I wish you could see it. It was not pretty or graceful, but it was much like uh, good communism. It was. It got the job done. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you know that's the whole thing about parkour is you're supposed to do get from one place to the next as creatively as humanly possible, right? Like that's what parkour is. Yes. Yeah. It's about the human body in motion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me go back to uh, Mr. Roddenberry for just a moment. So if I could talk for again about one of your pre-Star Trek shows, sure. Um, there was the show called The Lieutenant. Uh, that filmed at an actual Marine base with the cooperation of the Pentagon. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I read that you would clash with the Department of Defense over the plots that you wanted to use. Yes. And so I'm wondering what what the plots were. What were the stories that you were trying to get in the show? I wanted to use actual military secrets. (laughs) 
on TV shows. <laughs> that seems it seems obvious why they would have a problem. With yeah. That. What are what are some of the uh, secret military operations happening right now? Mm-hmm. Let's use it. And that stuff is rife. And then obviously the Pentagon was like, no, mm, obviously were, you can't. Well, they were like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> That sounds yeah. like a military general right there. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, you guys are uh, thinking about uh, assassinating Fidel. Let's do that as a show. Mm-hmm. How did you know about that? How did you find out about that? I had a key made. And, you, you just, and you, I would just go through their files. You just sneak into the Pentagon? Yeah. And you just like look at their files? Right. Wow, well, bonkers. Uh, there was like an executive bathroom next to the records mm-hmm. room, you know? Yeah. And I... Told them I had Crohn's disease. So <laughs> I was like, I need a key to this, the nice bathroom. And uh, yeah, that they would work. Me one. Yeah. That would definitely work. People right. don't question that because they're no. like, oh, okay, whatever. Just get yeah. out yeah. of here. People mm-hmm. don't like talking about bodily things like that. You know? you know, and I'd like to just for a second talk about how just like sniveling and just like wishy washy those Pentagon guys were when they were like, I don't know if we should do this. Right. Like, why can't they just be more direct? Yeah. And I don't just know, motivated. Man. Stand like, up and say yes or no. Like a television right. executive. executive. Yes. Like, why can't you just be like a television executive right. and just like be and just like have principles and make decisions and not be the one Because you might not know this, but all of the generals on the West Wing were actually based on real life television executives. That's why they were so annoying. Mm. Yes, that's, ah, yes. That makes sense. And listen, we only have time for one more question on Famous Dead People. Oh, and I wow. have to leave it for, to talk about Trotsky. You have one of the most incredible deaths in recorded history. Uh-huh. Uh, and so let, let's just walk this, look through it, right? Because of your feud with Stalin, you're exiled to Mexico. Stalin is sending assassin after you, and it's just like waves of assassins after you. This one guy, Ramon, he finds you. He hits you in the head with an ice pick. Ooh. But not only do you survive, you fight him off. Some people say you even spit in his face. And, and you know, your your bodyguards are like beating this guy to death. And you're like, no, don't beat him to death. We got to get him to talk. And then you don't even die until like over a day later. Is that true? Is that really what happened to you? Totally true. In fact, wow. when he hit me in the head with the ice pick, I, 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 there, he froze for a moment because I didn't fall immediately. And I look up at it. I grab it. I pull it out. And I look at it. I look at him and I say, that's going to leave a mark. <laughs> Probably not even trying to be funny. No, I was just being, that's the this, thing, yeah. you're being honest in the moment, that's the right. truth in comedy. I mean, you can have that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> or we could take it to the pitch meeting. Sure, but that yeah, yeah. really happened. You say, you can, when, when you're pitching this uh, TV show about Trotsky's wife. We're going in together. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Yeah, you're going to have him say at some point, like, that's going to leave a mark. I'm yeah. gonna let you do the driving. <laughs> you know, I will back it up. I'll set it up, and I'll, I think you knock it down. I think we just get you in there to tell stories. And the, okay, yeah. okay. So, you, so you really you take this pick out of your head. You say that cute little line. You spit in this assassin's face. I really? S- <laughs> Fuck you, dude. <laughs> Honestly, right? It, I, you know, not my not my kind of day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And it wasn't my kind of day. Yeah. And yeah, we beat the shit out of this guy. And then I was like, wait, wait, stop. And he he tell us nothing. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I was like, guys, I'm feeling a little woozy. <laughs> I'm going to go to bed. Mm. Maybe sleep this head mm-hmm. wound off. I got to say, I, I, I didn't write them down, but your your last words, they're, they're the most cognizant last words I've ever read. It was basically like, I will not survive this day uh, Stalin was successful in assassinating me. I just wanted like, that to was give it. a nice summary. Yeah. Of the whole <laughs> guys, thing. guys, guys, take this down. Yeah, guys. Because, you know, I knew they were going to try and erase uh, mm-hmm. my history, right. so yeah, I yeah. wanted, to be, wanted well, to be honest. I know we're running out of time, but I did want to say briefly, Chekhov is based off of Trotsky. Wait, uh, what do you mean, like, Chekhov? Chekhov, like, the character. Chekhov, Chekhov Trotsky. From... You, I mean, you can hear it, right? Oh, my Chekhov. God. And yeah, then there's let's... obviously that episode in the original series when Chekhov gets hit in the head with an ice pick, you know? And then he's taken, just... taken from your life. Taken from your it's life. It's an story. honor to be <laughs> used for yeah. father by the master. That yeah. is, yeah, that's so incredible. I'm really glad that we got those stories out there. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for uh, for this week's episode of Famous Dead People. I'd like to thank my guests, uh, Leon Trotsky and Gene Roddenberry, for joining me in the studio today. I do have one final question. I know it's a little weird, but I like to end my show by asking my guests if they have any Twitter accounts they like or if they have any comedy shows that they're big fans of. Um, uh, Trotsky, anything you want to uh, tell people about? Uh, sure. On Twitter, follow at 
Kevin Cobbs. He tweets like once a week or so. <laughs> and Sounds like the perfect amount. It's it's good. It's you don't good. get inundated. And then uh, he, he, uh, this guy, he's very funny. He have show at the UCB running now for the next couple of months. It is called Jet Comes to Cobbsville. Go watch it, you fucking worm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mr. Roddenberry, anything you want to tell people about? Uh, well, I got I got to second that plug. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a fun show. But yeah. uh, how about um, Junior Varsity's uh, Thursdays at uh, the Magnet nice. Theater? It's a great how improv show. You should definitely go see I them. got to back that one up yeah. as well. Yeah, I think there. I think there's another group, the music industry there too. Right? Yeah, yeah, they play that's right before good. them. Yeah, They're both great groups. Yeah, Thursdays at eight o'clock at the Magnet. Just a yeah. great show all around. Um, I'm, of course, your host, Jared Berenstein. You should go out and buy my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now, and it is hilarious. Leave a review. Subscribe to the podcast of this show on iTunes. Uh, if you have any uh, questions that you'd like to ask your favorite dead person, please email it to us at, ra- at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org, and we will try to have them on as soon as we can. We're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Dead